0: Spilled that blood so that you could be saved. Say amen. amen. The blood of Jesus. All different backgrounds, all different races, all different stories, but it's the blood of Jesus. It's what Jesus has done for us that brings us here today. So many of you, I would never know. I would never know you. I would never know your story. I would never know your life. We would be separated from one another if it was not for Jesus and what he has done. This is Mother's Day. And we're going we're to look in God's Word about moms here uh, in a minute. And, and hopefully give some helpful things for all of us today. Uh, but before we do that, and before the kids are dismissed, I want to ask Brother Will to come up here. And I want to ask Brother Warner to come up here too, real quick. Guys, come here. And uh, ladies, I'm going to leave you all out since you had not been with us all year. But uh, this is Will and Warner, as you guys know. And uh, they started coming this year with Connor uh, to church, started last semester. Brother Connor, uh, last year, Brother Connor kept coming home from Welch College, and, uh, and he's invested in us, and we've invested in him. And so then this year, uh, he invited some folks to come at the beginning of the school year, and these two guys stayed with us. And uh, Brother Will has started teaching our children's class and has just done a fantastic job. And this is the last week of school. Now, you're staying in Nashville, so we'll still see you some. You'll still be around some. All right. But well, Brother Will is going to be at a church camp uh, all, all week. So, guys, I just want to pray for you today and ask God's blessings on your life and your summer. And uh, you, you, you don't know how, you, don't, you still have no idea the blessing you've been to me and my family and to our church. And I hope in some way we've been a blessing to you uh, as well. But I just want to pray for you guys right now. Lord, I want to lift up Warner and Will I want to ask you to be with them and to strengthen them, and Lord, to help them this summer, Lord, with the jobs that they will do. Lord, I pray that uh, they will be able to make money through these jobs so they can go back to school next year, Lord, to be able to pay off some of their school bill. Lord, I know they need to do that. So Lord, I pray, Lord, keep them healthy so that they can work. But Lord, as they work to make this money, Lord, would you use their callings, would you use their jobs uh, to give them opportunities to share your love, To do just what that song they just sang. Lord, help them to do that in their jobs. To tell others that Jesus died for them and that He's coming again. Lord, I pray that You would empower these two men to do that this summer. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Brother Will will be heading out with the older kids to Children's Church so he can head that way. Brother Connor will be with us again this summer. Uh, for eight weeks, uh, interning and doing uh, uh, manual labor and also some other spiritual type things as well. And so if you see any job that would be really hard and tedious and you don't want to do that needs done, let me know because we'll let Connor do it. We'll bless him in that way uh, uh, for us. If you wonder why Will steals my water every week, it's not really about me. Uh, At first, I was kind of like, why do you keep stealing my water if you see him? He he always tries to sneak up there and get it before the music starts when I'm out shaking hands. And I was like, why does he keep doing this? And then the college students told me, they said, it's not about you. He knows that if he steals your water, you will make Connor go get it. And so that's why he keeps on doing that. Now, listen, uh, I I don't know what kind of mommy you had, but in the generation that I came up, one thing my mom made sure that I did was watch Sesame Street. My mom made sure that I watched Sesame Street because Sesame Street was a fun way to learn important facts, a fun way to learn important facts. And there was this little uh, segment in Sesame Street that they did when I was a kid, and I had a little song that went with it, and and the song went like this, One of these things uh, isn't like the other ones. One of these things isn't like the other ones. One of these things doesn't belong. One of these things isn't like the other ones. One of these things doesn't belong. And when Sesame Street would do that, they'd flash all kinds of things on the screen. Sometimes they would put numbers up, and as they would sing that song, uh, One of These Things Doesn't Belong. As a child, you were to look at that, and you'd say, Oh yeah, two, two, and two, those are all numbers. And then there is a uh, W there, and you would know the W doesn't belong. And as the kid looking at the TV, you were supposed to point at that, and you were supposed to learn and say, Hey, that W doesn't belong there because it's not a number. Uh, one of these things is not like the other ones. One of these things doesn't belong. You know, in the Christian life, the Lord has blessed us in so many ways. He's been so good and He's given so many gifts to us, so many things that the Lord Jesus Christ allows us to experience. But there are some things that the Lord Jesus, because He loves us and knows that we do not need, there are some things that Jesus has said, that does not belong in your life. That does not belong in the life of a Christian. You don't need to be a part of that. One of these things doesn't belong. And Jesus knows which belongs in your life and which doesn't. This morning on Mother's Day, moms, and all parents, and really all the church, I want us to look today at some things that that don't belong. Some things that the world will tempt you to do in raising your kids and church will tempt us to do in, in helping to raise uh, children. Here, there are some things that the world is going to direct you, that the enemy is going to direct you to do, but they really don't belong in the life of a Christian mother or a Christian parent or a Christian church member. Now you say today, well, I don't have any kids, and I'm not a mom. If you are a member of the church, or even if you not, have not officially joined, but really you attend all the time and you're invested, listen to me now, You've made an agreement. You have covenanted with everybody else. You have covenanted that we will help one another on this journey. We are committed that we just don't throw in and quit. And we just don't surrender when things uh, don't go our way. We don't do that. We have covenanted together that we will help one another. So you say, I don't have any children. Well, the minute you join the church, when you do that, you've made an agreement that, Pastor, I will help raise your kids. Pastor, I will help raise... Jacob and Emily's kids. Pastor, I will help bring these children up. So you say today, I don't have any kids. Well, if you are a member of the church, you have a responsibility. So I want you to listen really carefully, all right? Go to Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 1, and we're going to start in verses 7 and 8. Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 7 and 8. And I want you to listen to what God's word says. And then I'm going to put some other verses on the screen today so we can keep going. But all of these things are going to flow from Proverbs. So this, this first couple of verses is going to set up, is going to set up the book of Proverbs, and we're going to draw from the wisdom of Proverbs and let God's word show us some things that don't belong, some things that we don't need to do. Alright, so Proverbs chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. So the fear of the Lord, and what it says here, fear there, is sort of that awe, sort of that that fear of awe that you recognize, man, God is beyond beyond me, stronger than me, more wise than me, and so I need to listen. So the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, if, if that's, How it begins is with God. Listen to what the preacher of Proverbs says. My son, or it could be my daughter, just any any child, my son, hear the instruction of your father and forsake not the law of your mother. Hear the instruction of your father and forsake not or do not leave the law of your mother. Moms, You play a huge fundamental role in teaching your children the path that they should go on. A key part of your calling as a Christian mother is to show your child the love of Jesus and to show Him and direct Him and point Him or her to the pathway that God desires for your son or daughter. Now this is a high calling. Oh, we looked a few weeks ago at what the will of God is, and we sometimes overblow that, and we talk about things the Bible never says, and we worry about things. What is it? What is it? What is it? And you know, honestly, the Bible is real clear on what the wor- will of God is. It really is. If you're a parent, or if you're a member of a church that is responsible for helping other parents, part of the will of God for you, part of the, 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 the uh, calling that God has given you as a mother, is to show your child the love of Jesus and to instruct them in the law of God. That's God's will for you if you are a mom or dad or a member of a church that is responsible for helping others raise their kids. Now, my goal this morning, my goal really is not to make you feel guilty. Now, if God's Word makes you feel guilty and God's Word convicts you, then I don't want to take that away. Because if there is guilt in your life, I want God's Word to show that to you so that you can know how to get forgiveness for that sin and that guilt. But my goal is not to just make you feel guilty for being a bad mom. The world's going to beat you up enough. And the world's going to let you know in a thousand different ways that you really stink at parenting. That's not the goal today. The goal today is to help you be a godly mother, to help me be a godly parent, and to help our church understand what does it mean to raise children in today's world. By the way, this world hates kids. This society hates kids. They're, they're, the society's confused. On the one hand, it tries to turn everything that ought to be serious into a childish sideshow, and that's not good. But on the other hand, it's just as it's trying to make everything should be serious just be a joke, it also doesn't even really like kids to begin with. That's why we're so comfortable with Abortion? It's not the only reason, but that's a big reason. Because children are a nuisance. And they are hard. And it's not easy to raise one. But God's Word tells us that's not acceptable. We are to love children. Love them. And let me say this. One of the greatest blessings as a pastor for those of you that have adopted children, that you have brought them in. And there are several. There are several people in this church that have adopted children and have said, you know what, your mom can't do this or, or whatever right now, but I want you to know I'm going to take you in and I'm going to help you and I'm going to raise you. And they have shown, you have shown to the world what a Christian should be as you've adopted these kids. If you love adoptive parents, say amen. amen. Now listen, the goal today is God's word will make you feel guilty, but it's going to show you how to get over that guilt through the forgiveness of Jesus. My goal today is the preacher. I, I don't want to pour more guilt on you, but I do want to show you today some things not to do. So, number one, first thing to not do in raising your children. So, moms, dads, church member, write these down now. First thing to not do: number one, don't spoil your child. Let's just now. That's real simple, and we all know it. But let's just say it together. Say that after me and say it loud. So, all right, don't spoil your child. Say it. Proverbs 1.8 says that the mom is to lay the law down. You are to teach your child to not forsake the law. So, mamas, sometimes you got to lay the law down. Boy, if your mama ever laid the law down, say amen. Sometimes my mama laid it with the end of a belt, laid it on me. Laid the law down. Well, if you had a mama that laid the law down, that's exactly what God's Word said to do. Now, in that particular passage, it's saying, Mothers, it is your job to teach your child the law of God. You have that law, this mother's law, is the Torah. It is the law of Moses that God gave. A mother was responsible in the Israelite culture, for to raised her sons and daughters up to know the law of God. But it's also true in a bigger sense. Mothers, you have a job to do, and it is to instruct your child, to help them grow. Now, we'll say, don't spoil your kids. We, uh, because we're a very materialistic society and a very wealthy society, and we have so much stuff, we immediately think, uh, don't spoil your child, uh, don't give them lots of money or don't just give them everything that they want at Walmart or where, or wherever. And that's true. You don't need to do that. You need sometimes to tell your child, no, you don't need that and I'm not going to get it for you. So that is true. But there's another sense and don't spoil your child means don't spoil it and don't do things to ruin your child. So don't do things that will ruin your That will ruin your child. Don't spoil. Now, milk spoils, right? If you leave it out, milk will spoil. Well, you don't want to spoil your child. You don't want to ruin your child. So it's not just don't give them stuff. That applies to our culture. Other cultures don't have as much stuff. So it might be something a little different. But don't spoil more generally means don't ruin your child. Let me tell you, according to my wife and her job as a counselor at schools, she worked at Avery Trace this year. And she worked in Baxter. And I've heard my wife say this, and I've heard her talk to others. And my wife says, and her job is counseling, one of the hugest, biggest mistakes that this generation is making is that parents will not let their children face adversity. They won't let their child face their fears or face their adversities. If something bad is happening, the parents today, and this is true, feel like they to swoop in. I've got to make sure my child doesn't face any adversity. I've got to make sure that uh, everything... They, I, don't, I don't want them having bad feelings. I don't want them being nervous. I don't want them worrying. I don't want them to have to experience that. So if they're facing some adversity, I'm going to swoop in. And really, it doesn't really matter if the child needs to face that or not. Many times the child has brought the adversity on themselves because they've not done what they were told to do and the parent's and the grandparents, and the uncles, and the aunts swoop in at the school system. Oh, well, I know this was said to my child. I know it was made clear, but my child's not going to face that kind of adversity. Now listen, my wife has to work with kids at school all the time. And she will tell you that many kids cannot make it at school anymore because they've never had to face adversity. And so the minute they begin facing it at school, whether it's with a test, whether it's with papers, Whether it's with expectations, whether it's with, and I'm not talking here about full on bullying. Now, that's a different story. And your job is to swoop in and protect. But I'm just talking about a little bit of adversity. Mothers, fathers, grandparents, uncles, and aunts swoop in and do not let their children face adversity. But my friends, there's going to come a point in life when you're going to face a number of adversities, and it's called adulthood. And your job as a parent is to help get your child ready to face those things. So Christian moms, you've got to step back and not go with what this world is doing. You've got to recognize and realize part of my job is to not remove my child from adversity, but help them face the adversity. You see the difference there? There's a huge difference between I'm going to coach you, I'm going to walk you, and I'm going to make you face this adversity. There's a difference between that and Mama swooping in and Mama saying, nope, my child will face no adversity. Mama, you may do that for a while. Dad, you may do that for a while. But let me tell you, there's coming a day when the world could care less what Mama's opinion is and they could care less what your opinion is on things and the world is going to make your child grow up. Now, can I get an amen? That's the way it is. So in conversations with my wife, these parents will not, they will not hold their children responsible and say, look, this is the way it is, whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not. This is the way it is. And you will face this adversity. Now, let me bring it home. Oh, y'all have heard me say, and we need to keep praying for Brother Joe Mullins. Great to see him right there today. And let's keep praying for Brother Joe. And he has to leave as soon as service is over, a lot of times during the altar call. But love Brother Joe. And, and Brother Joe, his son Brent, when I was here in school, man, I looked up to Brent when I was in junior high. He was in high school. I looked up to him. He was a big, bad football player, and I just, I loved, I loved Brent. So there was Brent, and Brent had this buddy named Jamie. I don't remember what Jamie's last name was, but there was this guy, Jamie. He had this cool red truck. That's what I remember about Jamie, and there was Brent and Jamie. And so Brent and Jamie were older than me, and I got to run with them and hang out. And I don't remember anymore. My memory's a little fuzzy, but one of them did something that really got on my nerves. And I was younger than them by probably four or five years. And, uh, but you know, my dad trusted, trust, he knew, my dad knew that Brent wasn't going to get me in trouble. And my dad would let me back then. People used to still cruise around Cookville. And my dad, there wasn't nobody else he'd let me go with, but he'd let me ride with Brent sometimes after volleyball on Friday nights, at the gym, we'd go cruising, we'd go riding around all this kind of stuff. Had a great time. But one day, one of them, Brent and Jamie, I don't remember which one, one of them did something that really got on my nerves. And so I made a comment to the other one. And I don't even remember what I said, but I said something about, it. I just, that getting on, man. you know, whatever I said. Well, I got a phone call next day. And uh, which, whichever one I said that to called me on the phone. And he said, hey, I just wanted to make sure I heard you the other, right, other day right about what you were mad about. And he said what I said. And he goes, isn't that what you said? And I said, yeah, that's what I said. Now, you got to remember, back in the early 90s, there was this new invention called Three-way calling. And the minute I said that, and I don't remember if it was Brent or Jamie, but on the other line, I heard a voice go, Oh, really? That's what you said about me? These guys are older than me. They're bigger than me. I go to church with them, and with my mom and dad, they were the kind of church people, Hey, you stepped in it. You ain't not going to youth group. You're not getting out of that. Uh, you're not, you're not going to come back here and sit with us. You're going to get your rear end right back up there where you've been sitting. And you'll deal with it. I didn't even. I don't even think I told them, because I knew. It. My mom and dad weren't going to say to me, Oh, you can stay home. Oh, don't worry about it, baby. Don't... Can you see my dad saying that? No way. <laughs> you know what I had to do the next week? I had to take my hind end right back into youth group, and I just sit there with Brynn and Jamie knowing what I had said. And you know what? We stayed mad at each other for about a week, and then it was Over. I, you know, one reason why I don't rah-rah so much like some preachers about, oh, it's so bad out there. And I do sometimes, but it's so bad and it's so simple out there. You know why I don't do that? Because we got a group of parents that are raising their kids to be babies in the church and I'm way more worried about that than I am what's going on outside. Way more. There was no, you're not going to be in the youth group anymore. There was no, you don't have to sit there anymore. There was no, it was, you know, I just knew in my life, hey, you did this. Now guess what? You're going to learn to grow up and you're going to deal with it. And that is one of the best things, best things my parents ever did for me. Did it cause some panic attacks? Did it cause some worry? Did it cause some concern? Yes, it did. But it also put me in position when I was a pastor. Now listen to this. When I became a pastor, first two or three months I was here, I had one of the sweet older ladies in the church at the time who's no longer with us call me over to her house. And she invited me over. I thought she was going to tell me, We're so glad you're here. We love you. You're doing a great job. And this sweet older lady in our church called me over to her house. And she put her hands on me and she talked for a few minutes. And you know what she told Miss Vivian? She said, I want you to know there's some people in the church that don't like your preaching. My mom knows this because I went home to her and told her. And she began to tell me, Don't like your illustrations. Don't like your humor. Don't like what you're doing. That's called adversity when one of the oldest women in the church tells you you're not doing it right. They don't like your preaching. If you don't let your kid face some adversity, one day they're going to be in a job and somebody's going to say something to them and they're going to want to tuck tail and run. You better let your kid face some adversity so they can be an adult for God one day. Amen? Amen. Now, here's the great thing about that story. But Terry Chaffin, y'all wonder, why does the preacher let Terry get away with so much? Well, that same week that that lady told me that, Terry Chaffin stopped me and he said, Preacher, I love your illustrations in your sermons because sometimes I drift a little bit. And when you do those illustrations, they bring me back. And God knew exactly what I needed to hear. You're going to face some adversity. And you better be ready. And parents, listen to me. Listen to me now. If you don't teach your child when they're young to face adversity, they will not be able to face adversity when they grow older at their job or in their family. There are a lot of reasons for divorce. One of them is is because people didn't learn at home. You just got sometimes to learn to live with it and deal with it and keep moving forward together. Don't spoil your child. Number two. Moms, parents, parents, and as church, we've got to help people do this now. Don't spoil your child. But number two, listen to me, moms. Don't neglect your marriage. Say that after me and say it loud for the Lord today. Say, don't neglect your marriage. Now, I'm going to put a verse up here and some of you are going to go, that's in the Bible? This is God's Word. And I'm going to tell you what this means. Show them this verse, Brother Rick. Show it to him. Listen to Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. To this son. Rejoice with the wife of your youth. Stay with that woman that you loved as a loving deer and a doe. Let her breath satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. Now you can take it off because some of them are going to get uncomfortable. All right? Listen, you say, why does God's word say that? Why does God's word say that a man is to stay that way with the wife of his youth? Because God knows, because God knows there are a thousand other temptations out there. And God knows when you're raising kids, if you're not careful, you will pour everything into that child and you won't pour anything into each other. And you know what that means? That means when you get 40, 45, 50, and that child who you poured everything into is no longer there, and you are stuck with the husband or wife that you have not been loving, you will divorce. Or you might stay together but you'll wish every day of your life, I wish I was divorced. Solomon says, Son, that woman that you are with, that God gave you to love, he says you stay with that one and you continue to pour your affections into her. And that works vice versa. It is the deer and the doe. He says, both, that's for both then. You are to continue to love one another. Did you know that children, this is overwhelmingly proved by studies, children... That know and see mom and dad love one another are way more secure than children who don't. Children who see mom and dad give a hug, who see mom, now, I mean, you know, don't gross your kids out, all right? Let's not do that. Give a hug, give a kiss on the cheek, tell them, I love you. Those children are way more, studies say, way more secure than children who never see mom and dad ever show any affection. Now, you know, so, so, I mean, I'll take any opportunity I get to kiss my wife, all right? So God's word says do it. I'm going to do it, right? My boys, listen, this morning, I gave her her little card, and it was one of those funny little cute cards about what a great mom you are. And it had the couple kissing in it, and Owen was going, oh, but you know what's really going on in his mind that he doesn't realize yet? He is saying, my dad loves my mom, and my mom loves my dad. So moms, please, 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 remember, that child will grow up. And if you've raised them the way you should, they they will leave at some point. They'll leave. And you'll still be with that husband. And husband, that boy or daughter you love so much, one day they will leave. And you will still be with that wife. And please, in your marriage, don't let it be when you reach that point that you got nothing to say or nothing to do together because you didn't do what Solomon said. You didn't keep loving one another. Now, some of you have already been through divorce. You know what I said if you've been through divorce? I would say, then you do that right there with the wife God's given you now. You do that now. Don't do what you did before if that's part of it. Now you do what that says. And you love one another. You've got to do this. The Bible knows what's best for you. And that's why the Bible's not embarrassed. God was not embarrassed to give uh, that word to the preacher through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's now in Proverbs. God knew that some of you needed to hear that. Remember the wife of your youth and love her, and be that is strong language. Enraptured. That I mean, that's strong. Be that with one another. Now let me let me. preacher's supposed to be practical, right? So let me just take away any excuse you got. We got vacation Bible school coming up. This is what I think every parent in this room should do. Every parent. Every parent should go to Brother Mark and say, I will volunteer one day of Vacation Bible School. We do a three-day VBS. I'll I'll volunteer one day. Every parent should do that. If all the parents would volunteer, we'd all bring our kids. It's going to be awesome. So help that. Encourage Brother Mark. Do that. Say, I'll come to Vacation Bible School and I'll volunteer one day. If every parent volunteers one day with the other women, older women in the church that already do so much that are going to volunteer every day, if that happens, we'll be covered. I'll volunteer one day. Then you bring your child that day you're not working, and you drop them off, and you go with your spouse, and you go out to eat, you rent a movie, watch a movie, you go to a dogwood park, do whatever you need to do. You work one day at VBS, you take the next day at VBS, drop your child off, and you and your wife, husbands and wives, go on a date and do what the Word of God said. I can't, I, there's, I, I can't afford a babysitter. Ding bing, ding ding. How, two and a half hours, BBS? Two hours. Bring them 30 minutes early. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm going to be mad at some of y'all if you don't bring your child and leave them so you can go do what God's Word said and go out on a date and spend time with one another. You say, I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be worn out. I'm, well, you're tired worn out when you do all the other things you do in life. Go on a date. Amen, church? Do it. Alright, so we want families to win in this church. We don't want anymore. We, we want to help you not be divorced. We want to help you obey the Word of God. So you come to Vacation Bible School and you work one day and then you use another day for you and your spouse uh, to go do what God's Word says. You go out, whatever, whatever you enjoy doing, you go do that. So listen, don't spoil your child. And moms, don't neglect your marriage. Too much pressure in this world to get you to do a thousand other things that you neglect your husband. Husbands don't neglect your wives. In church, listen, that's where we come in. That's where VBS. We're not, now, now if, you, if you never do anything, and you're that parent that just always drops a kid off, then yeah, we might behind the scenes go, can you believe this again? But that's not you guys. And we want you to win. We want you to win. We want your marriage to win. And so VBS for us is not another thing on the calendar. VBS is where you can bring them and you can go. And we're going to teach them God's word, and you're going to go do what God's Word says too. And we'll all win. The king will win together. Say, what does Mother's Day have to me? Have to me. It has to do with that right there. That right there of your job is to come and to help so these parents can win. So don't spoil your children. And don't neglect your marriage. Number three. Oh man, for some of you this is going to be tough. Don't spoil your children. Don't worry about that, preacher. I got them. Don't spoil your children. Don't neglect your spouse. Don't worry about that, preacher. I love my spouse. Number three, and this is is when they're still at home. This will change when they get older, but listen, don't be your kid's best friend. Don't be your child's best friend friend one day when they are older yes now don't don't be a bully and you do want to live in such a way and behave in such a way that one day they will naturally be your best friend but when they are a child god's word doesn't say anywhere mom's dad's your job is to be the best friend of your kid when they're at home that's not what proverbs said Look at Proverbs 19.18. Look at what Proverbs 19.18 says. Chasten or discipline your son or your daughter while there is hope. You catch what God's Word saying? saying? you got one chance, Mom. you got one opportunity. So discipline them or chasten them. That's not what best friends do. That's what real men do. That's what real women do that are going to be moms and dads. Discipline your son or daughter while there is hope. And look at this. It doesn't put their destruction on them. It puts it on you if you don't do that. Discipline your son or chasing your son or daughter while there's hope and do not set your heart on his destruction. God's Word says if you don't discipline your child, you have ensured their destruction. So dads, be a father. Be what they need. Be a father. And don't be a bomb that rose out of their life. Don't do that. Listen, we got one man in our church that has fought and, fought and fought and fought and fought to keep his daughter, and he didn't win. But I can tell you this, every time I see that man, you know what I see? I see a man that fought and fought and fought and did all he, all he could to stay a part of his daughter's life. Don't, don't, don't be that parent that just rolls out. And maybe you're still in the marriage and the kids are still being in the home, but guess what? Your kids can live in your house with you and you still be rolled out. And you still not be the dad you need to be. Your your kids don't just need an Xbox buddy to play Xbox. They need somebody to teach them to be a man, Dad. And moms, your kids, they need a mother to love them. And loving them doesn't mean spoiling them. And it doesn't mean that you don't discipline them. It means you do what the Word of God says and you instruct them or show them the ways of the law. Dads be a dad. Moms be a mom. And if you do that, if you do that, the odds will greatly increase that one day they will be friends with you. Now, children have their own will, so I'm not, I'm not saying, the Bible makes that clear. I'm not saying that it's, this is definitely going to happen. But I'm telling you, the odds are a lot greater. My, my mom and sister talk all the time. All the time they talk. All the time. <laughs> Dad says, amen. <laughs> amen. Amen. But I can promise you, my mom was a mom to my sister. She was a mom. Her goal was not to be the best friend then. They, they can be best friends now. I talked to my dad all the time. When I was in 10th, 11th, 12th grade, I didn't want to talk to him hardly ever, ever. Because I wanted to go my own way and I wanted to do my own path. And I didn't like what he was trying to teach me. And I've said it many times, by the time you hit 30 and you look around and you look at where all your friends are who never had to face adversity and who were spoiled, and you look at where they're at, and I look back now and I say, thank God I had a dad that was a dad to me and didn't say he was going to be my best friend because now we can be friends because he was a dad then. If you want to help godly parents and you want to be a godly parent, say amen. Listen to me now. Let's keep, let's keep going, all right? Now, let me, let me just, moms, let me throw one thing out here. Here's what happens when you're your daughter's best friend because that, that happens a lot. Or if you're your son's best friend. If you're your son's best friend, one day he's going to try to date somebody And you're going to make that impossible. You're going to make that impossible because you're not going to like that your son, you're not going to like it anyway, trust me. You're not going to like it, but you're not going to be able to cope with it at all if your son is your best friend because that person now, instead of fulfilling what the Bible says, which is to leave and to, you know, if God calls you to be single, you're single, but if he allows you to be married, you go with others instead of doing that, you're going to get in the way because that son's your best friend and you can't let him go. If your daughter is your best friend, and this has happened in our church, in our church, and I can't tell you the untold damage it does. If a mom says, I'm going to be my daughter's best friend instead of being a mother to her, your daughter is going to get in an argument with somebody. And instead of letting them work it out, you're going to get in the middle of it. And you're going to send text messages, and you're going to make phone calls, and you're going to insert yourself. And let me tell you something. What's going to happen is the other parents are going to tell their daughter, you're not hanging out with her anymore. If that's how her mom's going to be, you're not hanging out with her anymore. And and at some point, the girls themselves are going to say, I can't be dealing with you because when I deal with you, it's not just you. I've also got to deal with your mama. Now, don't mishear me. If there's sin, if there's wrong, there's some things parents, yes, you are to interject yourself. But you do that from the role of a parent, not from the role of I'm my kid's best friend. And so any argument she's in, I got to be in. Anything she's got going on, I got, I got going on. No, you don't. You are called to be a parent. You guys getting the point with the sermon today? Be a parent. Be a parent. Don't spoil your kids. Listen, don't do that. And, and not only don't spoil your kids, but don't neglect your marriage. You know, if you, if you neglect your marriage, you're going to be in big, big trouble. And listen, don't, don't, don't try to be your child's best friend. Don't do that. Let me, Brother Rick, show them the next verse. Look at, this, look at this verse in the Bible. I want you to see all this comes from the Bible. This isn't Pastor Charles. This is all from God's Word. Where there is no... I put up the wrong verse. Boy, that was a mistake. Go back. Let's see if I missed it. Go back one more. Yeah, I missed it. All right, that's all right. Okay. So listen, there's a verse that says in the Bible, it talks about that uh, if you're a young man, your strength is when you're young. And when you're old, you have gray hair, and that's your glory. The Bible says that, that hair is your glory. What's it saying there? Young people have certain abilities, and older people have other things, right? We're, we're both different. And so when mom, listen, when mom, is it up there? All right, the glory of young men is their strength, and the splendor of old men is their gray head. Listen, if you try to be something you're not, when you're a mom and dad and you try to be the best friend, you're messing up the way God made it. You need to accept the responsibility and the position that you are are in. all right. So listen, don't listen. Don't try to be their best friend. Number four, got two more. Number four, don't ignore providing structure. You've got to give your kids structure. Don't ignore providing structure. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. There's twenty nine eighteen, brother Rick. Twenty nine eighteen. Show them that one. Revelation or uh, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no revelation, where there's no word of God, where there's no structure for knowing this is how you are to live. God speaks His Word to us so that we may live and not die under the curse of sin. He speaks that Word, and that Word gives a structure to our life. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. No word of revelation, no guidance for what you're supposed to do. You just do whatever. But happy is He who keeps the law. Now, what did Proverbs 8 say? It says to the son, forsake not the law of your mother. The mother, through her mouth, teaches her child the Word of God, the law of God. She provides a structure for her household. And the child that knows that and grows up in that and stays committed to that, that is the child in the end that is happy. Now listen, more broadly, that teaches us that kids need structure. The law of God gives structure. And mom, part of your goal Part of your calling is to give some structure to your kid's life. They've got to have freedom too. But that freedom needs to occur in a structure that you have given. Work takes structure. Church takes structure. Marriage has to have some structure. Society needs structure. We're a society that can't agree on how this world should be structured. And that's why there's so much fighting and fragmentation and hatred in America. Is because we don't agree. What should the structure look like? Listen, I'm not a great soccer coach. I played soccer in junior high a couple years ago. I don't know as much about soccer. I know a lot about basketball. But you know, and I'm not saying this to brag, because this isn't bragging, this is just the way it is. In soccer, I started coaching soccer because my son one year, when he was little, had a coach that had no structure, none. And I thought, my son will never get better if they just come out here and run around. That's not why I paid the money to put him in the YMCA soccer. I came so he'd learn how to play. And so my wife and I were like, we're not going to attack that coach. We're not going to talk bad about her because we didn't sign up to do it. So we decided the next year that she and I would coach. And that's how I got into coaching soccer. So I remember a little bit from junior high, but then I researched and studied and watched videos and learned little drills to do. And we have, we have a structured practice. And every year, every year I get requested. I've had people walk up to me on the soccer field and have said, would you please get my child on your team next year? Not because I'm a great coach but because I know what God's Word says about us, and we need structure to thrive. So mom and dads, please... By the way, structure is not saying, okay, you can play Xbox for five hours tonight. That's not structure. That's called completely disregarding what the law of the Lord says. It's not structure to say, okay, you can watch TV from 6 p.m., to twelve PM tonight. That's not structure. Now listen, I know there's some grandparents in the room and you're having to fight this battle. Grandparents do not feel guilty about some of this. You just do the best that you can, right? And some of you are in divorced relationships and you're like, Pastor, it's not always that simple and I understand that and so does God. So I want you to know that. God, God knows that and He sees it. But for a lot of us, we could do better. And we could quit neglecting our responsibility. I'll tell you another great story my wife told me. She told me uh, she, was, she was meeting. She, she's not allowed. I beg her to tell me the names of these people. I beg her, and she won't do it. It's against the law. She will not tell me the names. And I ter- tell trust me, it's probably not good, but I have begged her sometimes said, please tell me who said that. Please, Lord, so if I ever meet them, I can know you are an idiot. <laughs> she won't tell me. She won't tell me. Listen, my wife was telling me that, and I think this was a grandma, maybe, but mom, grandma. They were meeting this child, just not doing the schoolwork, not getting things done at school, has to meet with Laura. And the person said, and, and I won't get it exactly right, but basically it was some version of, well, she just gets on her cell phone and stays on it all night, watching videos and sending texts all night. I can't, she, can't, she can't do the schoolwork because she's been up all night on the phone. Take the phone away! Take it away! This came up in Sunday school. Brother Ronnie Lee is also a counselor. They did a survey of our middle schools, I guess, in the county, or one of the counties, and and this is like, no exaggeration. It's like 97% or more of the kids in middle school had had a cell phone. So what's also interesting is, though, parents say that that's one of the things that makes it hard for them to parent is because everybody has these phones. I'm not telling you whether or not to get your kid a phone, but let me tell you this. If everybody else has got one, if everybody else has got one, and you're saying, well, what happens if something bad happens at school, my kid won't be able to get in touch with me? 97% of the other kids have cell phones. <laughs> you know, the Bible, listen to me, the Bible says that thinking themselves wise, they had become fools. When you have a rationale when everybody else in the school has a cell phone, but you say to yourself, well, I know my kid is being bullied through this cell phone, but I'm not going to take it away because I need to get in touch with them, but you know that everybody else has one, including probably the teachers in the school, then you have professed yourself to be wise, but you are a fool. You're a fool. So listen to me. Your kid needs structure. They need you to show them the way. They need you to show them the path. They need you to show them how to continue to move forward. So don't spoil your child, and moms, don't neglect your marriages. Don't be your kid's best friend. Don't ignore providing structure. Please, please don't do that. And then the last one, and boy, this is this is this gets me. Don't push kids into your dreams. Don't push kids into your dreams. Yes, I love ball, so uh, that's something I've shown my kids. And and right now, they love doing it. But you know something I already know in my heart? How's dad going to respond if one day one of them doesn't like ball anymore? That is when this church will find out whether or not the preacher really trusts the Word of God or not. That's the truth, because I love ball. And I love watching them play ball. And I I love being around sports myself. But listen, don't push your kids into your dreams. Please don't. Please don't do that. Because again, back to that verse that we just looked at, the reality is the young man, he has his strength, and the old man has his gray hair. And that's your glory. Your glory is in God's given you this long life, and God's allowed you to be the person you are. Your glory is not to come from making your child be shaped into your image. The goal of Christian discipleship is for your child to be shaped in the image of Jesus. When you decide they will be shaped in your image, you are, cre- you are committing idolatry. Idolatry is not just if you have an idol, somebody else carved idolatry can be when instead of helping your child be shaped into Jesus' image, you decide they will be shaped into my image. So parents, don't, don't force your kids to be something they're not. Now you know what I conclude after these five don'ts? It can be a little depressing because I can conclude, I can do the best I can, but I already know some ways I've failed at these as a dad. And I know there's some moms right out here today that are thinking, I've kind of failed at some of this as a mom. And as a church, I think there are some of us that are probably feeling right now, man, probably spoiled that kid when I shouldn't have. Brother Mark may be thinking, I could have provided some better structure in the youth group here, and I didn't, and that created some problems here. I mean, all of us, if we're honest right now, there should be a twinge of, I haven't perfectly lived up to this law. My friends, you know there is one thing you can do, though, that all of us can do. All of us can point our children to Jesus who did perfectly keep the law. So if right now, what the devil wants is you to just swallow in your guilt. But what Jesus wants to do is to take you and to show you, hey, you can't perfectly do those five things he just said, but I want you to know that I did them perfectly. And I want you to know that that guilt and that sin that you committed by not doing what that law says, I want you to know today that I can forgive you of that. Moms, I've told you five things to don't do. Right? Five things. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Can I tell you one thing you should do? You should run to Jesus today and say, Jesus, thank you for forgiving me when I fail as a mom. But that's not just moms. All of us, when we hear a message from the law that God gave, and we see that we can't keep it, all of us should run to Jesus. And all of us should say, Jesus, thank you. For being and doing what I could not be and for doing what I could not do. If you believe today that Jesus loves mothers, say amen. Amen. He loves you. So when you fail, and you falter, and you recognize I have blown it according to the Word of God, you know there's an Advocate. And you know there is a Savior. You know today that there is a Jesus that loves you and says, come and confess, and I will forgive your sins. Now listen, I know it's Mother's Day and and we're going to be done in a minute, but I want to do something different to end this service. I want to ask every mother and every husband that's with your mother, Every mother who has a child that is high school and down that's in this room, every mother has a child that is high school and down, and your husbands. Would you come to the front, please? Come right now. Every every mother and a husband. You come. You, if there's a husband here, you come today. Come on up. Come right up here. These these ladies are in a battle, and they are in a war. They're in a battle. And they're in a war. And you say, what's Mother's Day got to do with me, preacher? You know what your job is a church? Your job as a church, we're, our job is to make sure through Jesus that these people win. That they win. That these marriages win. That these children win. And that we together, we together help show this world, this is what it means, this is what it means to be a parent that is guiding a child according to the law of God and the love of Jesus. And so this is what I want to do. I want to pray this morning for these people. So now I want you to get up if you're okay with it. And I want you to come and surround these people. So you all get up and come lay a hand on somebody this morning. And this is how we're going to... Now we got one more thing after this, but we're going to pray. This is how our altar call is today. We're going to put hands on and we're going to pray that the Lord God would be with these moms and that they would know that it's all right when you mess up because Jesus loves you. Now listen, we, need, we want to pray this in one accord, alright? So right now, when every person in this room, I want your mind to be on one thing, one thing. How much these mothers need the support of this church and how much they need Jesus to love them and to show them. Lord, I ask right now on behalf of the Cookville Free Will Baptist Church, Lord, for every mother that is standing here, Lord, there's so much temptation from the world to not do it God's way. Lord, to do it some other way. And Lord, that creates doubts in the mother's mind. And Lord, she begins to wonder, can I really do this? Can I really be a godly mother? Lord, I believe today on the authority of Your Word, and I pray for these women, that under Your power, they can all be godly mothers. And Lord, I believe today that when temptation comes their way, and when it gets hard raising that child... When it gets hard being that mom, dear Lord, I pray today that they will remember that when they are weak, that You are strong. Lord, I pray today for the mother that is coming here weary and the mother that feels defeated. Lord, the mother that feels frazzled and it's all about to come undone. Lord, I pray today, I don't pray in a weak name. Lord, I pray in the strong name of Jesus. Lord, the name that we sang about. Lord, I pray today that Jesus would open the eyes of their heart And that Jesus' Spirit would show these mothers when they're weak that He loves them. And Lord, when they don't have it for their children, would Jesus show them it's all right? He's got it. He's got it. Lord, thank You for every mom here today. Lord, really, this is the gift we give them. Lord, we gave them a, a trinket this morning, and that's good, that's good. But Lord, this is the real gift of the church. Lord, we pray for these mothers, and when they this week, Lord, when they feel down, may they know that this church rallied around them, and that there's somebody with their hand on them right now, that is going to pray for them this week. Lord, we love mothers, and we ask that you would be with them, and we ask this in Jesus' name. And the church said, "Moms, there are a lot of things."